Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Welcome back to the SUFU podcast. Here we are continuing our FPMRS fellowship series, and I'm here with Dr. Gopal Badlani, who is vice chair of urology and co-director of the Female Pelvic Medicine Reconstructive Surgery Fellowship, as well as Dr. Whitney Smith, who is currently a fellow in the FPMRS program. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I'm very curious. Can you tell us a little bit about your fellowship? Um. The program sits under urology as a female public health unit. Uh, It's a joint program between the Department of Gynecology and Urology, but uh, as a functional unit, it sits under urology. Uh, Dr. Catherine Matthews, currently a urogynecologist, is the program director for the fellowship. Um, The program uh, takes both the urology candidates as well as gynecology candidates. We currently, in our structure, have two of the gynecology fellow and Whitney's from urology. Excellent. And do you have a certain, like, do you accept a certain number of gynecology and urology residents, or does it just depend on who applies? We take the best candidate through the match. Okay, excellent. And how long is the fellowship for your urology candidates and your gynecology candidates? It's two years for urology and three years for gynecology. Okay. And as who, required by their ABOG, um, as well as, you know, the urology RRC. Perfect. And how many faculty are there in total that the fellows work with? We have five um, MD faculty, two PhD faculty, and one nurse practitioner, um, along with a physiotherapist. Great. And so what is the rotation like for the fellows? And maybe Dr. Smith can uh, also discuss what it, her experience has been. Um, Yes, so we spend about 50% of the time working with um, the urology um, faculty members in the department, as well as about 50% um, with the urogynecologists there. So it's a truly integrated program. Um, They're broken up into two tracks. It's called FPMRS1, FPMRS2. So when we're on each track, we work with one urologist and one urogynecologist. Um, we do have built-in um, elective time with um, colorectal and GI. That's a distinct rotation. Um, and specifically, we work on um, um, fecal incontinence as well as um, motility disorders. We also spend time with our geriatric um, faculty, associated faculty members as well. And then the um, fellow is able to kind of develop their own um, urology um, elective so they can work with our male reconstructive um, urologists if they choose to or pediatrics, something that's going to suit their um, future practice. Well, that's really nice. Tell me, uh, what is what is kind of the breakdown of your experience in regards to um, female prolapse incontinence, neurogenic bladder, and is there any male exposure to voiding dysfunction or male reconstruction? Uh, yes. So um, predominantly, um, um, we do see um, mostly females. We have a distinct female pelvic health unit. So a lot of our patients are female and um, certainly pelvic organ prolapse and incontinence are kind of the bread and butter. Um, we do probably about 50 percent 
robotic, um, laparoscopic for prolapse repair and about 50% vaginal. So it's truly, you know, we just pick whatever's best for the patient. Um, in terms of neurogenic um, bladder, um, we do um, have a lot of those patients as well. Dr. Badlani and Dr. Evans see a large amount of those patients. So we are um, doing urinary diversions, um, bladder augmentations, um, things like that. In terms of male, um, there's no specific male requirement. However, me with my urology background, um, I do choose to see those patients when I'm in a clinic with Dr. Badlani and Dr. Evans. Um, and I do go to the OR and do those cases. So I am doing TERPs, artificial urinary sphincters, um, IPPs, and it's just something that I choose to do. Um, certainly the GYN um, um, fellows are able to do that if they choose to, but it's not required and it doesn't take away from the other cases that I do. As far as reconstruction, whether it's male or female, the fellows scrub on both. So it's really bowel reconstruction. It doesn't matter if it's a male or a female patient. Great. And tell me a little bit about the uh, clinic experience. So in the clinic, um, you know, the fellows rotate. Uh, again, they have a specific rotation. And in that FPMRS 1 or 2, they're shadowing that faculty. And each of the module has a urologist and a urogynecologist. So on different days, they are following one of them in the clinic and one of them in the OR during the week. And then, they, of course, they have a, um elective time during the week for scholarly pursuit, as well as a separate time as a teaching time, which is on Wednesdays and Fridays, where Wednesday is general grand rounds and, you know, by week module, whether they have journal club and other things. And on Fridays, I do a specific aerodynamic related uh, teaching with them uh, alternate Fridays. And we also do have an individual um, um, fellows clinic. We have two a week. So depending on which rotation you are, um, you're in a different clinic. One is specifically for our patients. Um, these are fellow patients. So these are our patients that are coming in with female problems and we take care of them. We manage them. And we'll, if they have to, if they do require surgery, we find an attending to staff that case. Um, we also have a pre-op and post-op clinic as well that's completely run by fellows. So we are, we do have our own individual patients. That's excellent. And you did mention time for scholarly pursuits. What exactly are the fellows doing as far as research or other scholarly pursuits? And do you have any certain requirements? So they have an option to elect for a research, basic science research project, because we have several NIH-funded studies as part of the Wake Forest Institute of Regenerative Medicine. Um, the current three fellows have chosen to pursue clinical um, projects, uh, and they have the gynecology fellows are required to submit a thesis for the ABOG, where the urology RRC requires six months of scholarly activity, but not a thesis. So each one of them, um, Andre, who's our senior fellow, is doing a randomized study um, enrolling patients for a specific device um, for pelvic organ prolapse. Um, Whitney's got a project on Botox, uh, prospective in, enrolling patients. Katie's our junior fellow, uh, and she's still finalizing a project. So by year one, 10 months, they are supposed to identify their project 
get it through IRB by the end of the year. And in their second or third year, depending on the specialty, supposed to um, do the project and finish it before and have a publication related to that. That's great. And the urology fellows uh, tend to have enough time to complete that in their second year? Yes, yeah, she, you know, has chosen to do the Botox uh, project, which, you know, we have a fair number of patients undergoing and she's randomizing, uh, you know, technique of doing the injection and or uh, effect of it. Okay. Um, and are there any call requirements for the fellows? Yeah. So the urology, um, Whitney does uh, three weeks in a year. I'm sorry, three weeks in a six months. That is uh, along with the faculty. So she's primary call and I would be her backup call. Uh, so ACGME requirement, they don't have independent or privileges, so uh, they have an attending. Whereas the GYN side, they are actually privileged uh, to do. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, so their requirement is um, their obligation is one weekend a month of general GYN call. Um, it is considered moonlighting, so they are paid for it. And if they choose to do more, um, they would get paid for that as well. But their obligation is one a month and it is um, they are paid extra for that. Okay. And um, where have your past fellows gone to work in the past? We are a young program. We've had one graduate thus far, and he actually joined mid-fellowship in the sense that he had done his first two years at Cleveland Clinic. And as we were growing into a three-year program, he joined the third year with us because the Cleveland program uh, in Florida um, was not ACGME. Um, so he finished his requirements and graduated as past his boards and is currently in practice in Florida. Excellent. And uh, what do you think your biggest strength is uh, in your program? I think the true integration is uncommon. Uh, this is one of the rare programs that I know of where the entire faculty sits in one physical location and work as a unit rather than two separate departments. So that's, I think, our main um, strength that we offer equal opportunity uh, as well as have a two integration. Of course, the untapped resource is the basic science research, uh, which is unique in terms of the Wake Forest Institute of Regenerative Medicine, where we have funded research, PhDs. Um, residents certainly are benefiting from it as, as of now, but fellows would require to, uh, you know, spend 10 consecutive months in research to be able to benefit that. And we leave it to them. We give them the choice to be able to do that. Uh, and we've not made it a requirement thus far, uh, but that's a future. Okay, great. Um, and another, so people, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say another thing that um, that I have benefited from is Dr. Batlani and Dr. Matthews are very involved in global health. And um, because of that, I've been able to go with Dr. Matthews and um, as a recommendation from Dr. Badlani, spend some time in India, about two weeks, um, shadowing um, providers there and learning um, vaginal hysterectomies from them. Um, it was a really good experience and it's actually um, encouraged and it was considered a two week elective for me. So um, I know a lot, every program has that, but it is something here that um, fellows can, can do. So this is a mission statement that we are trying to um, involve the entire 
uh, urology RRC as well as fellowship programs to be part of IVU and or urology care foundation mission trips so that their training there is recognized uh, and the cases can be logged. Um, the Society of Academic Urologists at least has accepted that. The RRC has still not ruled on it. But if that gets happened, then the residents obviously and the fellows will have their cases logged and it will be a worthwhile two-week elective. It's funded by IVU and soon will be funded by Urology Care Foundation. So it'll be a great opportunity for the fellows to go for cases that you do uncommonly here, like fistulas and others. Um, it's a great opportunity to go out and learn. Yeah, that's a tremendous opportunity. So that's wonderful that you guys have that. I don't know that every program has that opportunity. So that's that's really nice. Um, and I think you talked a little bit about things that were changing um, in the fellowship or things you're trying to change. But is there anything else maybe you, you haven't had a chance to discuss that might be changing in the near future? Well, we are adding, you know, location. We have one satellite clinic now that the uh, fellows still go to. And there may be one more in the future as we add faculty. Um, I think that's in the future um, so that we can expand their independent work a bit more in the senior year. We have a VA rotation for the residents, but not for the fellows as yet. And the uh, female public health program there, particularly sexual dysfunction, et cetera, is something that can be uh, gained from that uh, particular rotation. And that's something that we need to develop. We don't have that as a module as yet in terms of sexual dysfunction. Well, that's great that you're working towards that because it's very important. Um, so for people who've never been to uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, what is it like living there? Um, it's definitely different from when I where I came from. I'm from um, New Jersey, from the Northeast, but um, it's a very good location. It's in the center of the state. So pretty quick access to beaches and to mountains. So it's a very good place for outdoorsy type of people. Um, we have a pretty small downtown, but it has everything that you need. It has a very good restaurant scene, breweries, um, live music. Uh, it seems like it's a good place to raise children. I don't have any, but um, Dr. Baslani, I think, can kind of talk about that. Um, there's pretty much no traffic, so the commute is very easy to do. Um, low cost of living area. So my, you know, fellow stipend goes very far and I'm able to live pretty comfortably here. So I came from New York. Uh, I was on Long Island for several years and came here 12 years ago. And, and in the initial shock of small town hits you, but you realize that life gets easier uh, in terms of living. And, you know, I always tell residents on an interview circuit that you're going to spend most of your time at work. So if you're happy at work, yes, it matters outside what you're going to do. But, you know, this is, uh, uh, you know, downtown is not Manhattan. But then, you know, you get enough art. The, the UNC School of Art puts out so much um, art and the um, shows and stuff here that it's amazing for a small town how much they have, um, what's available. And, of course, the nature part is just a bonus. That's lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated learning more about the program, and I'm sure many of our SUFU members and potential applicants will enjoy it as well. So thank you very much. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the SUFU podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. 
We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.